Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack, and we are back with our monthly Ask Austin Anything episode where I take questions from all of you and I answer them here on the podcast. So if you want me to answer one of your questions, we do this every single month. All you have to do is go to cultivatedculture.com forward slash AAA. It's the letter A three times. And you will come to a form where you can submit your question. And I grab usually around five questions to answer in each of these episodes. So feel free to check that out if you want me to answer your question. But we have five very awesome questions from a wide array of people that I cannot wait to dive into. So Without further ado, let's jump in. Our first question comes from Chad, who's asking, if you had to attribute the success you've achieved to one thing, what would it be? And I would have to say that it is an action bias. So we could talk about tactics, we could talk about strategies, we could talk about all these other things. But at the end of the day, nothing really matters unless you actually get started. And this is something that I have had since I was really, really little. And actually, when I was little, it was sort of viewed as a flaw, or at least people told me that it was a flaw. They told me I rushed through things and I didn't plan and I wasn't somebody who, you know, measured twice and cut once. I just started cutting and that wouldn't serve me later on in life. And it was really frustrating because whenever I wanted to do something, I would just do it. And that's something that I do later in life both personally and professionally. So professionally, if I have an idea, I'm just gonna start working on it and I'm gonna start to work to ship it because what I found is that if I can ship something, I get a lot of data and all that data is relevant. Whereas if I sit down and I start reading all these blog posts about that idea, I'm gonna get overwhelmed. There's so much information out there. It's usually conflicting. And quite honestly, I have no idea who these people are. I have to actually go do even more research on the people themselves to understand if they're credible enough to actually give the advice that they're giving. And then even at that point, the advice that they're giving may have worked for them in their specific instance, but I have maybe a different company, maybe a different audience, maybe a different perspective on this. So there's all this extra work and crap that kind of sits in your brain, and it's so easy to overanalyze and get overwhelmed. Whereas if you just get started, you can put something out there and you can very quickly see if it's worth moving forward with, if it's worth investing deeper in. And that's exactly what's led me to where I am today. So back in college, I wanted to start a music blog and I just went and started it. Like I learned how to use WordPress. I learned how to create my own website. I put it out there. And then, you know, that didn't really turn into anything, but I got a ton of valuable skills from that. And then later on, I wanted to build an app. And so I just got started on that as well. I started building out wireframes. I bought a sketch pad at Michael's in New York, and I went to a local coffee shop after work every day. And I just started sketching out these wireframes because I actually had no idea how to use any of the wireframe tools online. I actually didn't even know those were a thing. Like at that point in my career, I didn't know what user experience was. I didn't know what uh, prototyping was. I didn't know about any of that. I literally just sat down and I started sketching out with the pencil and paper, like what this app would look like. And I sent these like PNG pictures from my phone to the developer who thought probably thought I was a nut job. But anyways, that person started building it out. And so rather than letting all these things get in the way, like the perfect tools or the perfect process or the best way to do it, I usually just get started. And of course, that means I usually make a bunch of mistakes. That usually means that the first iteration is so far from perfect. But 
it means that I've gotten started. And that's way further than many, many other people get to because what ends up happening is they're scared. They don't want to put something out there unless it's perfect because anything less than perfect is going to be a reflection on them in a negative way and they don't want that. And so we build up all these fears, right? What will other people think? What will other people say? What if I fail? You know, all of these things. And so we end up overanalyzing. We tell ourselves we need more info and that is a great way to never get started. So at the end of the day, a mediocre idea that's shipped and iterated on is going to be worth far, far more than the perfect idea that never leaves somebody's head. So that's definitely the one thing that I would attribute my success to. But this happens in my personal life as well. And my wife will give me a hard time because like earlier this summer, I was like, I want to grow vegetables this year. And I literally, I just went out and I bought a whole bunch of vegetable seeds and I like created this little seed starting thing in our house. And then the seeds started and then I went and bought pots and I threw them in these pots. And now they're outside in the back of our house. And we actually have some really awesome veggies. We have jalapenos and cucumbers and tomatoes and all this stuff. But like, I literally just decided one day that I wanted to do it and I went and did it. And the same thing goes for making hot sauce. Like one day I decided like, how do you make hot sauce? And I looked it up and then I went to the store like 30 minutes later and bought all the crap and brought it home and stuck it in our blender. And like, that's just how I operate. And that's led to a lot of amazing ideas because you never really know what's going to work unless you throw something out there and you actually test it. So again, uh, one more anecdote there, but definitely the one thing that I would attribute to most of the success I've seen. The second question comes from Christos, who's asking, I've only just started posting on LinkedIn. How damaging or difficult is it to change your personal brand after, say, a year or two? And I actually don't think it's that difficult at all, depending on the type of switch that you want to make. I think if you're making a switch that your audience is asking you for, and it is a natural transition that plays to your strengths, I don't think that's too hard. But but if you're posting in one vein, let's say you're posting all about you know the, the LinkedIn platform and algorithm, and then you try to totally switch to another that nobody's asking for. Let's say you want to go from posting about the LinkedIn algorithm to all of a sudden posting about SaaS sales. That could be a, a little bit of a stretch, especially if nobody in your audience is asking for that from you. So that's the most important thing to note. I think you should absolutely get started. And then I think it's totally okay to shift gears if it feels right to you and if people in your audience are asking for that. So to give you an example of this, um, my buddy Justin Welsh is an awesome dude. He's absolutely crushing it on LinkedIn and Twitter and basically everywhere else he's at. I would definitely go check him out and give him a follow. But he originally started on LinkedIn talking about SaaS sales. And his whole brand was around helping founders grow their SaaS companies. But then a bunch of people started coming out of the woodwork and saying, dude, Justin, you built this following on LinkedIn. Like, how'd you do it? And after months and months of people asking him how he built his following on LinkedIn, he started to create content about building a following on LinkedIn. And he ended up fully making that transition. So he doesn't really talk about SaaS sales anymore at all. And he focuses 100% on how to build and monetize your brand online. So he changed after several years of having a really, really concrete, solid, established brand in one space to going into a brand new space. And he ended up doing really well because he was more passionate about that new space and his audience was asking for it. So if you're in that situation, I think it's totally fine to make that shift. And I wouldn't feel like if you start creating content in one niche, you are tied to that niche, you're married to that niche forever. You can totally change that after a year or two. And honestly, it might be healthy to do so. The third question comes from Trevor and Trevor is saying many people are anxious or just plain afraid to type that first email or make that first cold call to a person of interest who might be able to help their career search. So what sort of low risk tips would you have for somebody like that? 
Now, I absolutely love this question because this was me. I was terrified of sending cold emails. I was terrified of talking to strangers. And so I had to figure this out for myself. Basically, what I came up with were a couple of tips, mainly three tips. The first was to focus on people that I was genuinely excited to connect with. So I found that my anxiety really peaked when I was reaching out to somebody and there was no real connection. Like I was really forcing this, you know, maybe talking about a project they worked on or something else that just didn't really feel natural. And that totally changed for me when I actively sought out people where there was some common ground. So I would look at people's LinkedIn profiles, I would do some research on them. And if somebody was, you know, like-minded, if they were creating content or if I found something else that I knew we had in common and I was genuinely excited to connect with this person, that made this so much easier. So that was the first piece. It's just dialing into folks where looking at their profile, doing a little research on them, you say, wow, like, I'd love to have this person in my network, even if nothing else comes out of this. So that's the first piece that will help reduce the anxiety. The second thing is to engage on your terms. So not everything has to be an in-person coffee or a 30-minute Zoom call. Like you can build relationships in other ways. And that's the beauty of the internet today. So one of my favorite ways to build relationships with people was to actually engage with their content. So I would go find content creators who are either working at my target companies or involved in you know the target space that I wanted to be in. And I would just start showing up on their posts every day and leaving comments. And the cool part about this is after I did that for a week or two, you know, they would start replying to my comments. And then eventually we would have like a mini conversation or two, and that would lead to maybe a longer conversation. And then I might DM them and say like, hey, you know, I've really enjoyed your content. You know, I've learned X, Y, and Z. I've tried, you know, ABC, like, thanks so much. You know, if if you're up for a conversation, I'd, I'd love to chat. And at that point, I have several weeks of digesting their content under my belt. Maybe we've gone back and forth a few times. That relationship is warmed up and it's so much less intimidating to speak to somebody who you've already have a connection with, right? And I was able to do all of that engagement and that warming up basically from my couch, like in my pajamas if I wanted to, because all of it was happening virtually online. So that's what felt comfortable to me. And there are so many different ways to go about this, right? So I would try to pick a medium that feels good to you, feels comfortable to you, that you can use to warm up the relationship before you take that step out of your comfort zone to the Zoom call and to the coffee chat, because you know that's probably going to happen eventually if this re- relationship progresses, but it's going to be so much easier to do that if you already know this person, if you feel more comfortable around them. And the third thing is to just pay attention to your energy level. So I would limit myself to a certain number of conversations every week because I knew that talking to strangers really drained me. And so for every call that I had, I would also build in some time to recharge my batteries where I would just kind of chill out, not do any work, maybe read a book, maybe, you know, watch some TV, watch a movie, whatever it was. But I would build in some time to recharge my batteries after I had some of these calls because they were so far out of my comfort zone that they really did drain me. And as an introvert, you know, being on like that for a period of time also really drains me. So that was the the third thing that really helped. So that's what I would recommend to anybody who's really fearful of doing this, because if you can find a way to manage that anxiety um, and, and, you know, those feelings of being scared about reaching out, so much awaits you on the other side of being able to network and build relationships with people. It's truly amazing. But at the same time, those feelings are valid. And so we need to find ways to work within them and, and you know, embrace them as we go through this journey. So those were a couple of tips that helped me. But Trevor, that is a totally awesome question. Thank you. Thank you for asking it. Our next question comes from Charlie, who's asking if you feel burned out in the job search, is it better to take a break from the job hunt and completely reevaluate what you want? Or should you just keep doing what you've been doing and push through? So there are kind of two layers here. And the first one is, should you keep going and push through or should you take a break? And if you are feeling super burned out, the answer is always to take a break because 
you cannot pour from an empty cup. And the job search is so freaking draining. No matter who you are, you're dealing with rejection, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with all of these feelings and emotions all at the same time for a really long period of time. So it's natural to get burned out. And we're made to feel like if we're not job searching every hour, every minute of the day, like we're we're not doing it right, or we're not giving it 100%. And that's total BS, if you ask me, like, we need to treat this like anything else, we need to treat it like a marathon, where yes, there are going to be times where we're active, and there are going to be times where we're pushing it. But then there are also going to be times where we're taking a break, maybe we're walking through the water stations, or just kind of taking a break on the journey to recharge, because we have to do that, you know, at the end of the day, like, you have to sleep, like you have to recharge your batteries, you have to take time for you. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to bring 100% to this thing. And then you're also going to start to resent it. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder. So to answer that first piece, you should absolutely give yourself permission to take some time off, whether it's, you know, one day a week, or whether it's, you know, half a day here and there, whatever it is. And obviously, you know, those are just hypothetical options, you can create the one that works best for you. But you should be baking in time for self care, where you just go do something that's only for you. It's not for anybody else. It's not for your current job. It's not for your friends. It's not for your significant other. It's not for the job search. It's literally just for you. You should bake that in as a way to recharge so that you can come back to the job hunt refreshed and you can give it 100% because that's honestly what's going to help you see the the results that you're looking for. If you're able to go at, you know, 80 or 90% for uh, short stints, right, you know, a week at a time, two weeks at a time, and then take a break, you're going to be far better off and far more effective than just trying to push it at 100% until you get a job. Because what's going to happen is the 100% that you can give is going to get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And eventually, you're going to be operating at like 50 60% on a daily basis. Whereas if you can operate higher, because you're taking a little bit of time off, that's just going to be to your benefit. Now, the second layer to this question was, should you reevaluate what you want? And that's a really good question and a good layer to explore. Because what we really need to do is understand why we're getting burned out. Like, are we getting burned out because we're actually not interested in this field and we're just doing it to do it? Or are we getting burned out because this process is really arduous and it's hard, but our passion for this field hasn't changed? And if you can answer that question, you'll have the answer to you know what you need to do here. Because if your passion hasn't changed for the field, you just need to look at your approach and you need to look at the job hunt itself and you need to take a break. And those are the things that you need to reevaluate. But if you're starting to realize like, man, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even really care about getting a job that this this specific job rather in this specific area that much, or I'm only doing this because, you know, X person wants me to, or because I invested so much time in this industry. Like those are the types of questions and the type of self-talk that might push me to tell you to consider reevaluate what you actually want in your career. And I know it's really hard if you've been going through a job search and you're feeling burned out to then say, all right, I'm going to pivot and do something completely different. But if you try to push through and you end up in a job, but it's in a place that you're, you know that you don't really want to be, you're just going to end up continuing to feel that it's going to build, it's going to grow, and then you're going to have to make that change at some point. So I would recommend if you're starting to ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? I don't even really care, or I'm only doing this because so-and-so wants me to, or I'm only doing this because I have 10 years in the industry and it'd be so hard to change. If that's the stuff you're telling yourself, I might consider reevaluating what you want uh, out of your career and what your career path looks like in general. 
Our last question here comes from Justin, who's asking what major opportunity to improve a person's career is sitting right in front of their face, but most people are missing. So this is a great question. And the answer is so obvious for me here. It is creating and sharing in public. And pretty much what I mean by that is creating content in public. That is hands down the highest leverage activity that anybody can do in today's world. And the beautiful part about it is that there is no barrier to entry. It is free to post content on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram, on any of these platforms. It is free to create a podcast. It is mostly free to create a blog. There are actually free sites like medium.com where you can create a blog. So I take that back. It is free to create a blog as well. So why is this such a big opportunity for people? Well, so much of our career, when we go through the traditional path, is in other people's hands. So we hope that somebody can see the value in our resume, which is written in this weird resume language and only focuses on our past and we don't have a lot of control over. And then when we're up for a promotion, right, It's we, we put our faith in our manager and maybe these other people who are making the promotion decision and they're talking about our value through their lens, right? And we don't have a lot of control over it and so on and so forth. Like the sales that we make, you know, if, if we're going through the traditional funnels and, and using the same templates as everybody else and the same approaches that the company recommends and all that stuff, we're basically placing our faith in those systems that other people have created. All of this stuff is giving control to somebody else and not really allowing us to own the message and the outcomes. So when you start to go out there and share in some capacity, whether it's sharing something you're working on, sharing about your journey in a transition you're making, sharing expertise, sharing wins, sharing anything, If you go out there and you start creating and putting your message out there in the world, you own 100% of that message. Nobody can change it. Nobody can say it otherwise because you are your own source of truth. And now all of a sudden, people can see what you're all about. They can see your value. They can see what you stand for. They can see your story. And that's going to attract people to you. And it's also going to increase your perceived value because now when you have this brand that has an audience, that has supporters... One, that's going to be more valuable for your company because all of those people are going to associate you with the place that you work. And that's going to be really valuable, especially if your brand is built in a specific industry and sales or, you know, brand awareness or other stuff, you know, can can be tied directly to your brand. It's going to be really, really valuable. And then on top of that, it's also its own form of job security, because if you have a brand of loyal supporters, you know, if anything were to happen to your job, you could easily tap into those people. So one great example of this that I always share is Pat Flynn, who who is the host of the Smart Passive Income podcast. He's been around forever. But the reason he became an entrepreneur was because he was working as an architect. He was working full time and he was working to pass his lead exam, which is basically an exam for, you know, environmentally friendly buildings uh, in the architecture space. He was studying for it and he ended up sharing in public. He ended up creating this blog where he would share his notes from studying and where he would share his ideas about how to approach different questions on the exam and all of that. And all these other people who are studying for the exam found this website. And he he basically created this community of very specific people, architects who are trying to pass the lead exam. And then lo and behold, 2008 came and he was laid off from his job. And so what did he do? He built out a study guide for the exam and he started selling it to the audience of people that he had built. And he ended up making enough money to basically continue being an entrepreneur for the rest of his life. So that's the beautiful thing about having your own audience that you own independently. Not only does it increase your value as an employee, but it also creates a security blanket because you can tap that audience for different opportunities and for income uh, 
if you need it or if you want it, right? Both of those things are options. So I think that is the major opportunity that most people are missing. And it is so, so easy to get started. There's no barrier to entry. For most people, the reason they're not doing this is, is fear-based. They're worried about what other people might think. They're worried about what their friends might say or their colleagues might say or their spouse might say or their family might say. They're worried about failing. They're worried about saying stuff and nobody being on the other end. And all these things at the end of the day aren't really that bad. Like who cares if you put stuff, something out there and you know, it doesn't get any likes at first or your friends think it's a little weird. Like if it's something that you really want to say, if it's something that you feel passionate about, like you should be putting it out there because the beautiful part of the internet is there is somebody else out there who agrees with you and who wants to support that message. And you are going to find them and connect with them as you start to put more of this out there. And then all of a sudden you're, well, one, your existing group of friends, family, et cetera, you're really going to know who has your back and supports you no matter what by doing this, which is an awesome thing to learn. But then two, you're also going to attract like-minded people because you're putting your message and your value out there and other people are going to see that they're going to connect with you and you're going to start to form relationships with these people that are based on values and not just proximity, which is a really powerful thing. So Justin, thank you for asking that question. And if you want to ask me a question and have it answered on one of these episodes, all you have to do is head to cultivatedculture.com forward slash AAA. That will take you right to the form where you can submit the question. I'm going to pick another bunch to answer in July. So we'll see out there. But thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. 